Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Stories of Darkness. My name is Sean and as always, thank you so much for listening. You can keep in touch with me on Twitter at Stories of Dark. Also, please check us out at 2d10.com for even more gaming-related content. Without further ado, I present part two of Smart Monies on Vegas, which is the introductory fiction from The Guide to the Sabbat, which was published in 1999 by White Wolf. We pulled into Treasure Island at the Mirage. As we drove up, two giant pirate ships were shooting at each other in the artificial lagoon they have set up while bursts of pyrotechnics exploded all around them. Even the doorman was dressed as a buccaneer. All glitz, no class. It was getting early, and we needed a hole up for the day. Elm and I sauntered up to the counter and harassed the clerk, who took it all graciously like the contemptible piece of juice bag shit he was. No doubt he dealt with lots of loudmouths who pretended to be high rollers. No reservation? Then may I have your name, sir? Tom Cruise. I see. And this would be Nicole Kidman? Nah, we broke up years ago. This is my sister, Leisure. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll need your real name to get you in the system. The name I've given you will do. It certainly will, sir. Enjoy your stay. We passed Robert Goulet on the way to the elevator. Two minutes after entering our room, we were asleep in the bathtub, wrapped in blankets, having stuffed towels into the crack under the door. I dangled a Do Not Disturb sign from the outer door's handle. I woke to a gentle knocking at the bathroom door and nudged Elam to rouse her. It says do not disturb. I couldn't find one of my shoes in the dark, and I cut myself on Elam's straight razor while groping about. She climbed out of the tub and onto the counter as I gathered the darkness around the door jamb. My shoe hung on one of the shower knobs. I'm afraid it's a matter of considerable urgency, Mr. Uh, Cruz. It was a man's voice. Probably hotel security. Elam seemed to have a bad feeling about it because she shook her head as she crouched on the counter. Time to play crafty. Hey, I'll be right out. Damn, my head hurts. Is that girl still out there? There wasn't anything in the bathroom that lent itself to use as a weapon, but I suppose I didn't really need one. No, Mr. Cruz, there's no girl out here. I mouthed to Elam. Meet me at the car in ten minutes. And kissed her. She should have no difficulty getting out of the room, even if our guest was standing right in front of her. He'd never even see her. Opening the bathroom door, I stumbled out, acting like a hungover juice bag. The visitor was indeed hotel security, but I could tell from the way he looked at me that something was up. He had one of those tragic suits, less than 200 bucks off the rack at pennies, and a demeanor that suggested he was good at getting his way. I wish I could have looked at his soul like Ellen could, but what the hell. I figured he was a ghoul from just the way he smelled. I straightened up and dropped the drunk act. We have rules in this town, Mr. Cruz. Steers. I beg your pardon? Steers. Adam Steers. I'm not Tom Cruise. I'm flattered by the compliment, but it's only a superficial resemblance. Y yes, well, Mr. Steers, it appears that you care little for the rules in our town. The prospect of your continued presence here is not one we particularly relish. Definitely a ghoul. Probably to a true, but that suit. Why? Because I bullied your check-in clerk? Among other things, I believe you have left a member of your party in your car. The trunk, to be precise. He was tired. I see. Truth told, Mr. Steers, I'm not the one to whom you need to explain yourself. I'm sure you're familiar with our traditions, and that you have no intention of flouting them. God damn, this guy's thesaurus mouth. 
My employer wishes to speak to you, and I'm to escort you to his offices. Now we were getting somewhere. With any luck, I could keep this anarch stick going, the California plates on the car helped, and get some good dirt on how this town ran. A bit of research and a quick report to the Archbishop, and Las Vegas would belong to the Sabbat. Take me to see Mo Green, Fredo. I looked like hell. This would be good. I expected to go up, but the elevator went down instead. Curious. Those Ventrue bastards usually do everything with as much extravagance as possible. We descended past the lower lobby, the basement, and even the garage. The ghoul had a special key that took us down this far. He hadn't pushed a button yet. The ghoul led me down a long, narrow hallway with bad fluorescent lighting and a smell like mouthwash. We exchanged a few meaningless pleasantries, him trying to cow me and me trying to act all awed that I was about to meet the baddest Dracula in Vegas. I was supposed to meet Ellen back in the car in about three minutes, and it looked like I'd be late. I smiled, thinking about it. Whoever had the misfortune to be in that parking lot when she started flipping out was going to be in a bad way. We passed through a pair of swinging doors, like the kind they have in restaurant kitchens, into what I guess was a storage room. Metal shelves lined the room, stocked with large, institutional-sized cans of food or carpet cleaner or whatever. A few 55-gallon drums of some other unknown substance stood in the center of the room, one of which lay on its side, leaking brown goop. Duke, this isn't Tom Cruise. From what I saw, only the ghoul and I were in the room. No one had followed us, and there wasn't anywhere to hide. Bad. And what the fuck was this tape on the floor? We've already been through this, I said aloud to no one. The lights were weird in here. Too yellow to be fluorescent, but too harsh to be normal light bulbs. Your clerk spelled my name wrong. All of a sudden, a pair of men stood in front of me. One of them looked like someone had grabbed his neck at the top of his head and given it a good twist. His arms curled up on his distended belly like crippled chicken wings, and his hands had sharp black claws at the ends. The other guy wore glasses and a gray suit with black pinstripes, and he had a short, almost military haircut. Welcome to Treasure Island, the distorted guy said in a phlegmy voice. I am Montrose, and this is my associate, Alexander Cantor. Pinstripes nodded at me. Perhaps you'd care to inform us as to your business here. Not business, pleasure. I'm in from California to do a bit of gambling. And the kindred in the trunk? This guy was damn presumptuous, and I didn't like where the conversation was headed. We were driving in shifts. Yeah, the night before. Quite an odd set of circumstances, don't you think? Adam Steers from the Anarch Free State? That was weird. Either he didn't know anything was up, or he saw through me and was trying to yank my chain. Perhaps an abject lesson in how Prince Benedict keeps the rabble in line would do you some good. The ghoul's hand clamped down on my shoulder. Of course I was stronger. Grabbing the toady's wrist, I spun and wrenched his pathetic arm from its socket, leaving it dangling from his shoulder. When I turned back around, the two others, I can only assume they were licks too, were gone. Too bad for Duke, I suppose. The weird light in the room slid away from me as I coalesced the shadows into one thick tentacle. Duke winced when I shoved the tentacle up his ass, but his eyes bulged right back open when I forced it out of his mouth. I dug the elevator key out of his pocket after tearing his wrists open with my teeth. The blood, so much of it washed over the floor, and I left crimson footprints as I bolted down the hallway to the left. Ellen was upset. Surprise, surprise. Ten minutes. Ten fucking minutes, Adam. You said ten minutes. I saw an arm jutting from underneath the car opposite us, but we could address that later. The car roared to life, and I gunned the engine, whipping the vehicle out of its parking place. 
I could see the night sky past the mechanical arm of the parking garage exit. I imagined the sky lit up with orange, reflecting the flames looking up from the burning Treasure Island Casino as the screams and chokes of those trapped inside the building issued forth. That, too, could be addressed later. My eyes were wide as I shoved a 20 at the attendant. She handed me my change and lifted the arm as I grabbed her hand and punched the gas. It's hard to fit a human body through those little sliding glass half windows, but it can be done given enough strength. Her head hung limply as I dropped her at the curb. I roared across the street and Elam already had herself worked up. She leaned out the window and winged a pedestrian, I think he was wearing some god-awful Hawaiian shirt, with a tire iron. Explain that shit to the cops, Montrose. We'll be back later. The sun was almost up when we got back to California. We ditched my beloved Mercury at a gas station seven minutes out of Vegas and jacked the Jeep Grand Cherokee while the guy who owned it went to pay for gas. You should have seen his wife's face when Ellen opened up the door and jerked her out by the hair. Bye, bitch, she called as we sped away. We had to write off Judas, and I don't envy the stupid fucker who lets him out of that trunk. We took back roads to avoid the police, then burned the Jeep about 20 miles out of San Fran. A few nights later, we talked to Bishop Mark about the trip. We had the prince's name, two or three of the individual kindred's names, and a rough idea of who was really pulling the strings. It turns out that some group called the Rothsteins have some significant influence in Vegas, and Montrose has seen a couple of our scouts before, so we had to take his dialogue with a grain of salt. The bishop thinks we'll move against Las Vegas in a few weeks, give him some time to get over the Anarch incident, and as they settle back into their precious masquerade, we'll be right behind him with torches in hand. With all that went on in Vegas, I didn't even get a chance to pick up a legal hooker. Maybe next time.